Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. Hello and welcome back to Confessions of a Reformer Season 2. I'm so excited to be back here with you guys. Uh, just a reminder, the whole point of this podcast is that it's a space for me to take off the leader hat and get to share vulnerably without the requirement to have to have arrived at certain conclusions. So this is not me emotionally dumping, but it is me sharing findings from my journey that I hope are beneficial to yours. Uh, welcome. Let's get into it. Uh, I took 2021 off as an unofficial like sabbatical, I suppose, because I needed some space. I've been on a crazy journey for the last year and a half, almost two years now, having to sort through some deep convictions I've experienced on my personal journey and then specifically my involvement with what we call the church today and ministry and what it means to represent the gospel in the world. I've had some deep, deep underpinnings that have moved me in places I was not expecting. Um, and so there are some consequences to that process. Um, one of which, probably one of the bigger ones, is the place that I called home, spiritually, community-wise, for the last 12 and a half years, Bethel Church in Redding, California. I am no longer part of Bethel. Through discussion with leaders and conversations and working out our relationship and what have you, it got to the point where I realized that what I was devoting my energy and time and anointing to, uh, I, didn't, I don't know if Bethel's agenda and end results were what I felt compatible with anymore. And obviously that was true for a long time. And then through my journey and process, as I got more and more honest with myself, I couldn't keep endorsing and contributing to that end and maintain my integrity and, and good conscience. Uh, I have such admiration and respect and gratitude and honor in my heart for Bethel and what I got to be part of and what they gave to me. And actually, a lot of my issue is not with Bethel specifically. Um, it's mostly with what we call the insti institutionalized church today. Um, and so in that process, that has landed me inadvertently in Nashville, Tennessee. And my team came with me. So there was a bit of a a sorting in that process as well. And so NUMA has transplanted from Redding, California to Nashville, Tennessee, and we are now based out of here and our operations are running in this area of the world. So very excited about being here. We've been here for at the recording of this for a little over four months now. Uh, so today for this episode, I want to dedicate this and I've entitled this episode Encounter because I want to address and start out this new season first off with addressing this subject of encountering God. This is a thing. So uh, the word encounter typically has to do with, you know, in our general vernacular, we usually use that word when it comes to like aliens, <laughs> like extraterrestrials. And we use the word encounter when someone is telling us they've been probed by an alien or they met an alien or, and how many of us believe those stories or not is irrelevant. We use the word to specifically acknowledge an experience somebody had that was beyond the scope of normal 
that maybe is fantastic or absurd or unbelievable or supernatural in nature, we lack language or concept to understand what they're trying to convey to us, but they're like, something happened to me and it's undeniable. And, you know, so we have a word, we call it encounter. That word got picked up by a certain company of people in the Christian faith uh, that I absolutely identify with. We use this word encounter to acknowledge experiences we've had with God, like the person of God. Uh, so I want to get into in this subject, or sorry, in this episode, I want to get into what does that mean? What does it entail? What do I mean when I say that? And this, the point of this is to lay a foundation for some things that are coming later. We're going to need context for where we're going, you guys. And I hope that you're in this for the long haul. We've got a journey to go on. So buckle up. We're going to just lay a foundation and get into it. So before I talk about encounter, I want to address five different kinds of people that uh, show up in relation to God or the subject of God. Um, and this is not to, to be exhaustive or comprehensive by any means. It's just five generic categories that I want to place people in when it comes to the subject of encountering God, knowing God, walking with God, having a relationship with God. Um, and so we're going to go from one end of a spectrum to another. The first category I want to describe is the atheist uh, or people who maybe don't necessarily like choose the label, but people who do not believe in God. They don't think God's real. They think he's something we make up. The world is an indifferent universe that we're just navigating through and science is the end all be all. Category two, this is a group of people who want to believe in God, want people to think they believe in God, but in their heart don't actually believe in God. Um, maybe they were raised in a religious environment or a certain, you know, like tradition and God as a concept or an authoritative function in the universe was instilled in them. They were indoctrinated to accept this as a value, but in their honesty and in their progress and development as an adult or in their life, they don't actually believe God's real. They don't expect him to show up in any significant way and their life doesn't reflect an actual adherence to the existence of this person. Um, I've encountered a lot of those people, specifically in the church context. They, and a lot of them don't even consciously know that themselves that they don't believe in God. But their life and their words and their vibe, their energy, if you will, conveys that they don't actually believe in God. Their hope and their faith and their security is found in their ability to understand and navigate and sort through whatever. There is not a higher power functioning in their scope of reality. The third category of person is the person who has a figment in their imagination that they contrived based on all kinds of data they've collected over their lives that they call God. And they have an emotional attachment to this idea, this figment, I'm going to use that word. Um, and they've had a lot of, you know, crying moments and like deep emotional experiences with this creature or figment. Um, and I would liken this function to like a, an imaginary friend that we see kids have sometimes. I'm not trying to demean or dismiss these people, but I do want to articulate this because of my own experience in ministry. I think in this category, people have a relationship with their conscience or their, mor their morals or their theology, and they touch a place of cathartic emotional release at certain points in that negotiation, in that relationship, but it's not with a person. It's not with God himself. It's with this idea they came up with. And in certain conversations we might call this idolatry we created an image of God and made it in our likeness and image and decided this is what's true or what's authoritative or whatever we make Jesus into our concept of what's good and right and, and moral in the world and he's subject to our judgment and perception and desire and ambition 
which is a problem, right? Category four, people who believe in God. They have a functioning relationship with him to whatever degree. It might not be super intimate or pronounced, but there is an actual fear of God. There is a recognition of his existence and a, an affection toward him and, you know, genuine sincerity in their pursuit of cultivating a relationship with him as a person. And then category five, this is the group of people who I would call victims. These people know God. They have encountered him meaning they are not just looking at the Bible and looking at, at life and their human experience and emotions and relationships and whatever and then like recognizing God and the divinity within all of it. But these people have actually, in moments in time, had experiences of encountering this person and it was consequential. It did something to them. Beyond their rational thought, beyond their theology, their ability to think and sort through and observe, it hit them on a level that's deeper than their conscious processing and the rest of them is trying to keep up and sort through what happened. What does that mean? How then do I live if this is true? Um, these people encountered God. Maybe it was a one-time definitive life-changing experience. Maybe it was a few experiences or whatever. Um, and the reason I want to categorize these five different personas in relation to God is because I used to be in one of those other categories and different points in my life before I hit category five. And I'm not trying to categorize these as like better or worse or more important or whatever. And my point in categorizing these is just merely making a distinction. Hold up. I want to take a second to tell you guys about Numa Plus. This is our streaming service that we launched at the beginning of 2022. We've compiled the video content from the last six years into one convenient place. So now, instead of paying anywhere from $50 to $200 for a single course, it's just $15 a month for access to all of them. It's crazy, I know. Why are we doing that? The answer is simple. I wanted to make our content accessible to as many people as possible. We'll also be releasing new content that will be exclusively available on Numa Plus. Visit numaplus.com to subscribe today. The Bible describes two different kinds of people in lots of different ways. There's a contrast, and one of the contrasts that's made are there are the lovers of truth and haters of truth. And the hater of truth dynamic is when I'm saying this stuff right now, and some part of you is like, I think I'm category three or two or whatever, um, but I don't want that to be true. I don't like that. A hater of truth is confronted with that idea and then dismisses it entirely, defends themselves from that possibility and then justifies why this guy's wrong and why that person gets to stay where they are and be fine. That person hates the truth. They don't want the truth. They want comfort. They want convenience. They want understanding. They want control. Uh, they don't want the truth. Lovers of truth are willing to experience cost consequence. They're willing to be threatened and lose things because something is more preeminent than their own ambition or emotional state or convenience. The lovers of truth are willing to undergo sacrifice and cost in order to apprehend and have intimacy with the truth. So I want to take a moment at this point in this conversation and acknowledge, hey, it's possible you're actually one of the other categories than the one you want to be in. That's okay. What I would advise in terms of like facing the reality of where you actually are in this spectrum that I'm describing is to first admit what is true. Don't lie to yourself or anyone else. Don't try and manipulate or alter the truth about this. You will not walk out of this well if you lie to yourself. You want to first get honest. Like, you know what? I think I want to believe in God, but if I'm honest, I actually don't. And that's terrifying to admit because of all the ramifications, right? The thing in you that's saying, I, I don't think I believe in him like I want to, 
is faith in you functioning, as contradictory as that might sound. If that's the case, be honest and be encouraged. The thing in you that's acknowledging it's not there is fighting for legitimacy. Not to stay there, but you cannot move forward. You can't grow or evolve or change or progress from that place or state without acknowledging and accepting it. And then here's the thing. I want to admonish you like that should be troublesome. That should upset you. That should be uncomfortable. That should disrupt your normal and it should be given priority. It should be worth going out of your way to address. You will not be left alone because here's the deal. God is real. He is absolutely after you. He loves you. He's looking to fully express himself in you, with you, as you. And so if you just simply allow that thing coming up representing like, hey, this isn't what you think it is, you'll find yourself pulled into a fantastic journey of discovery and spontaneity and beauty and unfolding and transformation. Category five, the victims of God. <laughs> it's such a weird way to say that, but it kind of feels that way. God happened to you against your own, you know, volition almost. That sounds like strange, but it feels like emotionally accurate. The things I've experienced in God, I don't, I don't know that I was like prepared for, but they happened and it was consequential. It was devastating. Uh, and I discovered different aspects of my journey along the way when I met him. I was like, whoa, I thought I knew him here and here, and that wasn't true. And here's where I was in that journey of discovery. So I was speaking at a church in Louisiana, and at the end of the service, I was sitting down, and uh, this guy came up to me who was the worship leader for the service, and he said to me, I don't know if this needs to be said, but God is proud of you. And he just like maintained eye contact with me. And so I just like stared back into his eyes. I was like, thank you. Um, and you have to realize, like, in this space, after the service, if social normalcy is a priority for you, then this place is really awkward and uncomfortable. He was socially assaulting me by just maintaining eye contact. And I was like, but in that space, I'm kind of prepared for anything. So people come to you in this heightened spiritual state and in a, in a vulnerable place, and they exchange with other people in that window. And it's fascinating. I've seen some incredible stuff happened for people, but then also to me as the minister in that context, it's fascinating and beautiful and so interesting. And he's looked at me and he was like, knowing God can make you feel crazy. And his eyes started to tear up and I'm looking at him still maintaining that uncomfortable eye contact. I was like, totally. Cause I mean, I agree. And he was like, I've seen him and I can tell you have too. And then my eyes teared up. And so we're both teary eyed looking at each other, having this moment and he fist bumps me and then walked away. There are people walking around in this world right now who are victims of God, who have encountered him, who have been altered because of his existence. So when it comes to the word encounter, I wanted to categorize the encounters I've had with God into two different types of encounters generally. And I want to differentiate. When I talk about encounters with God, I'm not talking about heightened emotional states in spiritual environments or spiritual moments, like, cause those things happen too. I've had those happen a lot and those are awesome and I value them and they're important. Those are not the same as encountering the person of God. I want to make a distinction there. Cause some people like to throw the word encounter around and they turn it into something that it's not. And they mean it in a way that's inaccurate. And they're talking about, I had a spiritual experience and I'm gonna put God's name on it when actually they were sorting out their own morality. I'm not talking about spiritual experiences. I'm talking about meeting the person of God. The first one is going to be, I'm going to describe this as a communicative encounter. So God shows up and says something to you. The second type of encounter I'm going to categorize as 
a being encounter, meaning you're just in the presence of this person. And there's not necessarily a specific conversation being had. It's just that you're there. So the communicative encounters is what, for me is where I've heard something specific from God. Oftentimes I'll describe it as in English, where sometimes God will actually speak to me in my spoken language, English, and my spirit knows immediately what he's saying. Sometimes my mind and my emotions take time to sort through what that was because I don't want to know what he said. When he says something, that word that he speaks functions like an anchor in the future. It's like he said this and some part of me like has yielded to some point in my timeline like that's true and will have its effect in my life. And then I get to work out in the, the difference between present and that point in time. Do I want this? How do I participate? How am I going to allow this or reconcile this to my own life or whatever? But I know I'm moving in that direction in the future that I'm walking toward, right? I know I'll likely eventually surrender to it, but to have to process the cost, the choices that I'll need to make, the sacrifices and accept these things and then act, that's a whole journey. Cool. And that's been a pattern I've observed for sure. So the communicative encounters I've had with God is where he's saying something to me specifically. Sometimes it's been in English. God's first language is not English. We need to understand that, right? So when I say English, I mean, that's my human perspective and comprehension of interpreting the things he said to me. And then the other type of encounter is the being encounter where God is there and I'm laid bare before him and just devastated. And that experience has a rewriting effect and you leave that experience like different. I don't know that I've ever encountered God and not wept. <laughs> I just bawled my eyes out. And language like wrecked and destroyed and devastating come up because it's just so undoing. Being in the presence of God is like an unmaking experience. So I've had a series of communicative encounters with God over my life over the last like 16 years. And then almost two years ago, some stuff came up addressing things he said to me years ago that I heard, and now I'm in a current point in my journey where I am reconciling. Okay, you said that to me. That's true. I've been living like it wasn't. I'm sorry. How do I repent? How do I step into friendship with you where I'm actually showing up and caring for you in your communication in our relationship, right? And not just having this one-way street where I just get to talk. And so that's what the last year and a half has been, is just like undoing some choices I've made and making some new choices. We are into it. It's time. We're going to start having these conversations. I'm going to start sharing some stuff that it's taken me a minute to get here, but I'm hoping that I can do my best work in articulating what I'm trying to convey here in terms of what knowing God has done to my life, what it does to a human life, and then how do we participate in that? I want to just share notes from the road and you know see what comes up here for you guys. So those of you who don't know, NUMA is a company that I started few years ago. NUMA is a spiritual intelligence enterprise where we aim to equip our community spiritually, theologically, and ethically. And so one thing I'm releasing this year that we've launched is called NUMA Plus. It's a new subscription we're offering. It's our, I wanted to make this as affordable as possible for as many people as possible, where I've taken all of the courses and recordings and whatever that I used to have available on my website for purchase for people to get to you know, take advantage of. We took them off the website. They're not for sale anymore. You can't buy that stuff. And they've all been put on NUMA Plus and they're all available for you to watch whenever you want and it's just a monthly subscription. So if you wanna check that out, which I would highly encourage you to do, please join me for this. We're gonna to continue to shove value and content into that space. And so subscribers can just continue to enjoy all the things that are available as it continues to expand and grow and keep being part of this conversation. We wanna find a streamlined way to continue to resource you guys 
Um, I'm putting the link below. Check it out and then subscribe. I promise you, you're gonna get so much value out of this. It's gonna be so much fun. It's gonna be life-changing. It's gonna be beneficial, practical, supportive. We want you guys to join us there at NUMA Plus. Thank you for joining me here. Buckle up, you guys. We've got some stuff to talk about and some work to do. I'll see you next time. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.